welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows, one of the shows that we have up on air and online. It is accurate to say both. 24-7 here at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word centerlefttalkradio.com, the on-air, online designation, the claim, the, the assertion that we do both is based on the fact that the show is coming to you in either of two, I guess, formats would be the right way to put it. Uh, the one, the more what has become traditional in the modern age, the, uh, uh, the, the podcast version of the show you may be listening to right now, You'd have picked that up by hitting the first link at www.centerlefttalkradio.com. But the other, the alternative, the online, as it were, uh, on-air almost feeling, comes from the radio loop version of our show, running on a separate computer, and which is accessed by hitting the second link on our homepage, clearly marked, uh, Radio Loop. You pick up the show wherever it is in that loop, get interested, listen in, and if you kind of came in a little bit late in the show and wanted to hear what happened in the beginning, well, it's a loop, it repeats. And uh, we find a lot of people like that kind of analog sort of relationship with the, uh, with the verbal media they're working with, with the talk shows that they're listening to. So we keep both those available to you. You're listening to one or the other, and we're very glad to have you with us this morning, the second day of December in 2022, as the midterm elections uh, fade more and more into the rearview mirror, but as their impact uh, seems to be coming, uh, it seems to be becoming more front of mind. I, I would say for both parties in many ways. Um, a case in point. Oh, and by the way, before I go any further, uh, today being a Friday, the second of December, I am very pleased to say that David Bach will be joining us in the uh, second segment of today's show. So please stick around for his insight. Uh, probably one of the uh, more astute up-and-coming political commentators out there in, uh, in the Ethernet uh, today. Uh, so uh, please stick around for David. He'll be here in a bit. Um, there was an interesting uh, editorial. Was it in the Times or the Wall Street Journal? Newt Gingrich, of all people, the, the, uh, the putative father of the of the uh, Tea Party revolution or whatever you wanted to call it back in the 90s when all of a sudden these hyper-conservatives suddenly showed up in the House and Gingrich eventually got kicked out. And there's a whole history there. But in any event, Gingrich has, you know, sort of spent a lot of time over the years trying to remain relevant, as many people who have found themselves out of power uh, do. And interestingly... Uh, he he did something that you would not consider uh, Gingrich-esque for those of us who followed him during his heyday. He wrote an editorial in some, some major uh, newspaper saying that Republicans are ignoring 
Joe Biden and his strength at their own risk. He re-emphasized for Republicans, the, the ones who kicked him out of his position as speaker back in the day, that what was just what just happened in the midterms wasn't just a you know one one way of looking at the it's another way of looking at the glass. This is looking at the glass from the bottom up. I think you'd have to look at the glass from the bottom because from there it would look as though a two or three drops was a full glass. And in essence, that's what some Republicans or at least Republican commentators would have you do, or would have you do if you're the part of their audience, to get a feeling, a, a rush, a, 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 a sort of a, a, a red meat joyful feeling about the results of the last midterm elections. Uh, folks, there is no joy, I speak to Republicans, to be had about the results of the midterm elections. Truth be told, uh, the Republicans basically were drubbed much much, much as uh, I, I think I think of Barack Obama's uh, terminology uh, at his first midterm election we got drubbed I think is what he said or we we got whooped I think he might have even said something along those lines when you're when you are taking over a House of Congress, I suppose, it's difficult to look in the mirror, especially if you've been living in a political fantasy world and say we got drubbed, but the Republicans did. They should have taken back the Senate. It would appear that the Senate, besides remaining in Democratic hands, may even add an additional seat because things are looking Pretty good for Senator Warnock right now in the state of Georgia. If if early voting is an indica is an indication, and it can tend to be. I mean, we 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 were here before, folks. Two years ago, we had this runoff in Georgia. This is when two two additional Senate seats were picked up in the first place, and Herschel Walker continues to make an absolute blithering ass of himself, which he is. And everyone knows he is. He might be very good at football, and he might, I don't know if he's done anything else, but uh, besides, you know, father a lot of children and, and not take responsibility for them if those, if those stories prove to be as accurate as they appear to be. But he's got absolutely zero qualification to be a United States Senate. He's a joke as a United States Senate. Republicans know this. And the knowing of it is getting stronger. I, I, I say that be, because of this, this, this positioning, and you can't avoid talking about Republicans without talking about the Donald. As the days go on, Donald is becoming more, can I, can I let's see, marginalized, is that the right word? All right, try, try it this way. The, 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 the appeals, uh, the, the, court, the, the, um, the appellate division of the, of the 11th Circuit, a three-judge three panel, uh, all, I think all Republicans, as a matter of fact, one Trump uh, appointed or maybe, I think one was a George Bush, number, uh, George Bush 40, 41, or, you know, the, the George Bush Sr. appointed one, and I think Trump appointed, Trump didn't appoint anything. Trump had a list, and, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, what, 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 they'll, they'll vote for me if I do this. That's all. It doesn't matter. Um, they just overturned 
Eileen, what the hell is her name? Connolly O'Connell. Uh, this this also a Trump appointee. You know, off of the uh, off of the list that he was handed of uh, the of the heritage, uh, whatever, whatever you know, the society or something. And he picks a name, and someone says, "Oh yes, sir, she'll she'll do exactly what you want." And and this bozo of a judge down at the uh, down at the first level of the Eleventh Circuit basically gave Trump a not I, I wouldn't call it a gift. She actually gave him it, it was it was a sort of Damocles more than anything else. She appointed a special uh, a special counsel, well a a special master as it were to basically review the documents that had already been seized by the Justice Department under a properly issued warrant pursuant uh, to the type of thing that is done again and again that under the type of warrants that are done that are used for uh, drug seizures and, and, of course, secret documents, I suppose. Yeah, that's part of it, too. But following long-established procedures. And what this judge did, this newly minted federal judge, this on-the-bench-for-life We talked about this before. We can get to that at some other time. She basically said, well, you know, the rules of the Justice Department are such that really once they've seized documents, well, now the defendant is, is, is really in a prejudicial position because how can we count on the Justice Department and federal officials and essentially on police generally not to start messing around with the evidence they've seized, even if they're following procedures that have been there forever. Hold on, Mr. President and his attorneys. I'm going to give you I'm going to give you the most delicious, beautiful present I could possibly give you. We're going to appoint a special master. Now, and, and she does. And things begin to slow down. And ultimately, what's happened now is on the appeals level. And this is now, here we are. That was in August, uh, September, October. We're, we're nearly four months later. And this has slowed down to some extent the review of that documentation by the Justice Department itself. Uh, apparently, not all that much. But, but bottom line, she basically threw a monkey wrench. She, was, she did exactly what Trump loves and what his lawyers love. They know they've got no case, but the idea is delay, delay, delay. And if we can delay long enough, we could reach some kind of a compromise or it'll go away or people will get tired of it. Or in the case of the, of the January 6th commission, uh, it'll go away and nothing will really happen. The, it's, it's been Trump's modus operandi throughout his entire business, if you can call it that, career. Delay. That's what lawyers are good for, slowing things down until people get tired of waiting for results. And then we cut a deal and it goes away and I move on to the next nefarious activity. But that's not happening here, you see. The special, uh, the, the, the special master has now been effectively stopped. His work is stopped. And in seven days, f- counting from Thursday, uh, yesterday, the 1st of December, that means by the 8th of December, the special master will cease to exist. The position will be gone altogether. Right now, it's just paused. 
And the Justice Department will continue or will proceed nearly the way it was proceeding prior to the special master being wrongly inserted in there by Judge Eileen uh, uh, O'Connell, I guess. I, I hope I'm getting her name right, uh, at, the, uh, at the baseline of the 11th uh, Circuit, the highly Republican, highly conservative circuit in South Florida. Um, what she did in essence, was to say to any defendant in any criminal action, anyone subject to a lawful seizure of materials, you automatically have a right to presume that what has been seized will be improperly used by the seizing party. She has ignored the fact that all of this can be reviewed at the trial level. That's how we do it in this country. If you have a problem with the way material has been handled or characterized, you basically get to bring that up at trial. But to add the additional layer of a presumption of nefarious activity on the part of the Justice Department or the FBI or whoever the governmental entity is who has seized material, and to say that we have to stop the, the entire process of processing these materials up front, before, and, and we have to appoint a special person in there to now oversee and decide... And that basically would mean that no criminal trial involving the seizure of materials could ever move along with any kind of speed, that there would always be this possibility to delay, 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 add more expense, more time, having to find a special master who qualifies under the circumstance. I mean, it's, it's just stupid baseless law, it defies everything. There is absolutely no way it could have been justified. And she did it anyway. Now, you, you would hope that she had a law clerk there or several clerks who said, uh, Justice, uh, can't, you know, Eileen, look, look, come on, man, this is your first, you know, you're, you're fresh out of the box, you're just there in the new circuit there, the 11th. And you're, you're just making it. And this is how you want to make a name for yourself. Uh, Madam Justice, I, I, I really think, you know, you, you're, you're, you're not serving your own purpose uh, by, uh, you know, making the stupidest, most ridiculously myopic judgment in the world that will instantaneously be viewed as having done a favor for Donald. Oh, I'm not worried about that, says Eileen. Um, who cares? I, 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 I'm, I'm a federal judge now. I'll just go ahead and do this. The, the ruling against her at the appeals level of the 11th Circuit is so airtight. The only way it could be potentially vacated would be if the Supreme Court itself, in the next seven days, in emergency session takes up the issue of this particular ruling. The odds of that happening, and I'm going to stick my neck out on this one, but I don't think I'm sticking it out very far because there's about a, just about every, every rational legal mind in the country is agreeing on this. The odds of that happening are nil. The Supreme Court knows how bad the original decision was at the, at the base level of the 11th Circuit. It knows that the decision that was just made on the appeals level at the 11th Circuit, which was ev just eviscerated 
the original ruling is correct. What's the net result of this? And again, we, we started this whole thing with a, a question of Donald and the significance of Donald. To, to be embracing Donald is to be embracing a guy who was losing one legal decision after the next. He just, his taxes are now in the hands and being reviewed by the Congress. Not that they weren't there before, but now they can legally be reviewed and they can be legally reacted to. It means that, well, you know, um, when you're, if you're going to link yourself to Donald, and by the way, no one, I, I don't see anyone jumping up and down. I don't see anyone on the Republican side saying, oh, my God, the 11th Circuit Appeals Group, that was a horrible decision. Donald, he's being robbed. It's just more of the same. And it's a blah, blah, blah. And it was nothing but a, a raid. And they planted the documents. And I'm not hearing that. That's not what Newt Gingrich just said in his editorial. I, I, I'm, 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 what I'm hearing is nothing. I'm, I'm not, certainly not hearing Ron DeSantis turning around and saying, you know, uh, uh, geez, uh, you know, my boy Donald there, Donald, whose coattails I rode into the governorship on his coattails, and the guy who I've, who I've emulated and all the nastiness and the meanness that I've done to all of these uh, immigrants that, that have been coming in, uh, and I've sent them up to New York, and I've passed laws that are anti-transgender, and all of the Trump imitation that I was doing leading up to my reelection in you know in the midterms that happened it had his his gubernatorial race happened to coincide uh, with the most recent midterm elections all of my trump mimicking I, now i i have to undo this now that the election is over and yes we were embracing you donald because well we still didn't we couldn't figure out how not to please the base but we're, we're not going to, it's pretty obvious, we don't want to get back into that mode anymore. Now, now uh, you have a situation where the, the likely speaker, the new speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, is going to have to suck up to the crazies, the, the ultra-far right-wing Republicans. But you're not hearing that suck-up-edness on a daily basis, the way you used to pre-election, pre-midterm election. You're not hearing the red meat being, or you're not feeling the red meat being tossed out. You don't feel, you don't feel the moisture as, it, as, it, as, it, as the steak passes your nose raw, and, 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 and you hear and watch the, this, this shrinking uh, base of, of, of the Looney Tune fringe of the party, the ultra, ultra, ultra nut job right wing where Trump and others live, you know, where, where people who think it's a great idea to have Kanye West and a white supremacist in for dinner at Mar-a-Lago and then deny that you knew the white supremacist was a white supremacist. I mean, that crowd, th that's what's left around Donald. And you, I'm sensing, and, and it doesn't, you don't have to, you don't have to basically, you know, have a special uh, decoder ring to sense this. There is this movement away from him.
And yet, as we get deeper into 2023 and 2024, the question will remain, how do you basically deal with the base that was the reason we've basically tolerated him or been afraid to think of not tolerating him and still doing, you know, obeisance to him for the last year or two, you know, since the insurrection. How, how do we mollify them yet realize that if we ever want to win an election, if we, want to, if we ever want to, look, the odds of us holding on to the House or getting back the Senate are zero in 2024 and the presidency, forget about that. If we go anywhere near Donald, we have to get away from him. How do we get away from him without alienating what we still, what most of us believe, what most of us calculate is still a major block of people that we require to get past the, the, the primary process. We need the blood-sucking crazies, the under-the-rock loonies. We need the people who are huddled up with him and who are all hunkered down in this, in this sub-basement called the far right wing of the Republican Party in the Looney Tune bin. And we don't know how to get around this. We know we can't live, well, it's, it's the ultimate. We can't live with him and we can't live without him. And, and we're about to see this begin to play out. Starting next year, once the Republicans have control of the House, you are going to see the madness of all this play out. As Trump becomes closer to or is, in fact, the recipient of indictments, and I say multiple indictments here, there most certainly is going to be one from Georgia, there is most certainly going to be one coming from uh, the Justice Department or whichever, I, I, is it the first? I forget where it is. And, and we have that special master there, uh, Smith, uh, working with the Justice Department right now, and he will come down with an indictment, certainly for the Mar-a-Lago documents. And whatever may or may not come, whenever it comes, uh, for January 6th. This is not like impeachments, people. This is not like, you know, you have an impeachment, you know you're not going to get 60, 66 Republicans to vote for it, or you're not going to get 16 Republicans to vote to get you kicked out of office and make you, make you officially removed from office, even though it was happening within the last few weeks of his presidency one way or the other. But no, this is not an impeachment. These are trials, criminal trials. These result in jumpsuits, orange jumpsuits, federal penitentiary type stuff. Whether that would be the route that the prosecutors would go, whether that would be the demand made, certainly the laws would permit it. At a minimum, at a minimum, and I've repeated this several times before, the Mar-a-Lago case, the documents case, one of the three laws that has been violated, the espionage-related law, has as a very specific penalty available to the court, and I don't, know, I don't know that it's mandated, but it is an available penalty, that if found guilty, the defendant, the, the accused, the, the convicted, will basically can be prohibited from ever holding political office in the United States again. 
certainly federal office. That would mean that if the Mar-a-Lago case goes through, and it's the easiest one, it's the lowest hanging fruit, okay? Lowest hanging fruit. It, it, it's so probable. The, 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 the facts are so there that it, it, this, this, will just, this will be the easiest case you can imagine. And if you're ever going to bring it, it has to be brought before the true primary season begins. Trump is declared for president simply in a purely defensive way to keep himself relevant, knowing that the walls are closing in on him, knowing that DeSantis, by saying nothing in response uh, to the whole business of the Kanye West visit and saying <coughs> nothing about the Newt Gingrich article and just ignoring Trump's existence. No, just turning around and announcing he's about to release a book about his life. Oh, gee, no, no politician running for office has ever done that before. No one aspiring to higher political office has ever released a book in anticipation of an announcement for the presidency? How, how, do, you, how do you do this? How, how does Donald remain relevant when everybody knows that it's just a matter of time, and you can, everybody knows that if the, if the Republican primary season officially begins, if the primary selection process begins, uh, I don't know when exactly it's going to begin, but, but the, the, the day on which, a, uh, the day by which, a, uh, a candidate is selected by the Republican Party pursuant to the rules that they have for selecting a presidential candidate. Everybody knows that that is the drop-dead date. That's the date before which, if, 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 uh, the, special, if the special uh, counsel that has been appointed, Smith, has been appointed by, by uh, Merrick Garland in the Justice Department, that's the date by which he not only must bring the action, he must not only uh, basically indict and then begin the trial, he must conclude, he must have this thing finished, done. There must be a conviction of Donald Trump on the Mar-a-Lago documents before the date by which Republicans would make a final decision about who they are putting up to run for president. That, that's the time frame we're in. And I'm saying that Republicans are counting on Merrick Garland. We've said this before, and, 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 it, and it's, it's truer day by day as you, as you hear less and less reaction to Donald from everybody. Republicans are counting on the Biden Justice Department, and Biden has done everything in his power not to make it his Justice Department, but to make it the Justice Department, the way it's supposed to run, not the Bill Barr travesty under Trump. That's the date by which this all has to be there. And if it ends the way everyone with half a legal brain 
knows it's going to end, with Trump convicted, part of the conviction will be part of the penalty. Wherever he winds up in terms of incarceration or non-incarceration, whether he winds up with an ankle bracelet and is stuck in Mar-a-Lago, although I'm not sure how he's going to afford Mar-a-Lago at that point, banks are going to pull loans every place. He's not going to be able to do business. No one wants his damn name on anything. No one wants his image on any building. No one wants basically to be associated with, maybe he'll try to, I don't know, start another TV show. I don't know what network is going to take him. Maybe uh, the Hungarian People's Network or something. I have no idea. But, but somehow, Donald will not be allowed to run for president. He will not be allowed to be the Republican nominee. He might go through the process, but if, God forbid, he should be voted in, he will not be able to run because he cannot be the candidate. And if he ran and he won, he would be prohibited from taking office. Now, he, imagine that. It says you cannot hold office. That's how the laws, does it say that you can't, I could still run for office? Does it say you can become the nominee of the party? And basically, if you win, you will, you are not going to be allowed to hold office. I, I, I remember looking at this law, at the, uh, at the law, basically the espionage part of the law, that, uh, of, of the three laws, and this particular section of the law that is one of the penalties that would befall Donald if he were convicted and he would be, um, it, it would be possible, I imagine, for him to run, I mean, and the, the Republicans would, would take the, uh, the logical position. Well, he lost, he, he's been convicted, uh, he's here are penalties, the penalty phases are coming down, blah, 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 but we know for a fact that at a minimum, uh, he's going to be, uh, he, he, you know, one of the things will be that he will not be permitted to, to be, serve as, a, as, a, uh, as an elected official. Can we still run him anyway? Do we want to take this, do we want to go that crazy? Uh, do the people want him? No, I, the people want him. The, the loonies, the, 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 the maggots under the rocks want, want Donald? Is that, what, is that where this is going to go? Will the moment come when Donald has been convicted and, and, and the announcement comes that he will not be permitted to hold office? That is part of the penalty. Will the upcry, will the, the surge of anger from the base be such? Will every loony in the country be so offended that this guy actually is going to have to pay the price for his crimes, that there'll be uh, uh, threats of, I don't know, or there'll be such violence and such madness that the Republican Party will, A, run him anyway, knowing that even if he wins, he can't serve, or will they finally say, timidly, I would imagine, well, well guys, you know, he can't serve one way or, way or the other. And the, then the loonies say, well, then, then get rid of the, let's, let, let's burn it down. That's where this was all going anyway. Now it's time for the Civil War. That, that's where this goes, you see. That's, that is the final point that this all ultimately has to converge on. And we've been saying this for years on Center Left Radio. You can't have Trump 
and America. You can't have Trumpism. You can't have a country run by or on behalf of or for or through or under the thoughts and processes and methodologies of Donald Trump and an America which is still based in its constitution. The two just cannot mix. We were saying this four years, I, I remember I felt weird saying it four years ago, but that's where this is going. And the Republicans are finally going to have to accept two things, actually. They are going to lose the 2024 election, no matter what. You are about to see a debacle as Kevin McCarthy tries to tie himself into a pretzel knot as they begin to try to basically now have hearings to examine the people who did the hearings for January 6th and turn this into a into a comedy act as they try now to have hearings on Hunter Biden and therefore on Joe Biden. Without recognizing what Newt Gingrich said in his editorial yesterday, you ignore the strength of Joe Biden at your own risk. Do you understand that this guy who apparently uh, was underperforming in the polls and everything else, do you realize how much he pulled off legislatively in the first two years of his presidency with the most split of split uh, senates with two senators still working against him, Gillibrand and, uh, and the other one from West Virginia there, uh, and, 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 and with a Congress that was pretty closely split on top of that, and to hold, these, to hold this herd of cats called the Democratic Party together enough to get major, major, major legislation in place that will have an impact far beyond uh, this, this, this past election cycle, and you'll start seeing more of this as we get into 2023 and 2024. Do you realize what this guy had to do to accomplish that? Do you realize what his leadership meant in the defeat, and you gotta, you gotta say it, Republicans, in the, in the absolutely crushing defeat that you realized in the midterms, where you should have had this bloody tsunami and you barely had a trickle, and now, with a three-seat majority in the House, you are supposedly going to do every nasty, horrible thing you can possibly imagine and imagine that anything requiring a vote to do nasty, horrible, ma nasty things that either block everything that the president wants or to basically investigate and rip apart and, and desiccate everyone and everything, you're going to need virtually a 100% solidarity uh, vote of your entire Republican caucus and you're, and you're expecting that out of people who are basically knowing that they cannot stick with the loonies and still get reelected in 2024. It's going to be a, it's going to be a, a, a nutshell in the House, watching McCarthy try to play ball with these people, watching him not be able to really pull together the commissions in any rational way, watching him basically maybe even being voted down and voted out as speaker, do not put it past the possibility of reason that a Democrat may at some point or several points in the next two years take over as speaker of the House. It's going to get that wacky over there. Remember, you've got to, you've got to, 
you know, you, McCarthy may have been chosen by a majority of the Republican caucus, the current Republican caucus, uh, for purposes of uh, saying, yeah, he's the guy we want. But once the new Congress begins in January, after everybody's sworn in, the first, first, first thing it does is elect a speaker. And to be elected, a speaker must have the majority plus one of all members, Republican and Democrat, vote for him or her. As of right this moment, McCarthy doesn't have that. He does not have, what would it be, 200, it's 435, so it's 227, well, 435, 2, 1, 218 votes. He doesn't have it. Mar Marjorie, the, the nut job, the, the head case, the ultra, ultra, in the bunker, Trumpian types want basically, they want their pound of flesh. Now, if he puts them on the various committees in position of powers, if the real, if the head cases, if the real loonies are put in charge of the, of the loony bin, then what you do is you have a bigger loony bin and the House and the Republicans turn themselves into a balderized wreck. Why? Basically to please the loonies who are basically in league with Trump, who everybody else is trying to get away from, and who they're all hoping this guy Smith, the special counsel appointed to justice, will basically go ahead, bring an action, start the Mar-a-Lago thing, get the result that says that Trump can't be, the, the, can't be uh, holding any future office, including the presidency, and then crying and say, geez, you know, we tried, oh, base, we tried, but it's, we can't, no, no, we stop at a civil war. We can't really allow this civil war. Although we understand your feelings, that'll be, the, that'll be the next huge mistake. They'll waffle on that because they're, well, you know, we, we, we still have to please the base. Jeez, we're so sorry we can't give you your civil war today. Do you see where I'm talking about here? The Republicans are in bad bad shape going forward into 2024. Ron DeSantis is going to have to now make this huge left-hand turn and try to find his way back to the center, and <laughs> the Democrats will not let him go there. Many of the Republicans won't let him go there. It's going to be a fiasco because the Republicans brought this on themselves. They knew this was coming eventually. They knew that Donald could not sustain whatever it was he was attempting to sustain. They brought this on themselves. They know where this is going. He is going to be convicted at least on the Georgia tampering and the Mar-a-Lago documents. And the, and the results could put him in jail for the rest of his life. Easily. And then where do you go with the base? How do you, you you're in the, you're, you, you got the house and you got everything. And how come, how come you can't stop? What the hell? Why, well, we got to take it back now. We got to take, pardon the Southern accent or whatever the hell that was supposed to be. But it's supposed to be a stupid accent. It's a stupid thing. The notion that we basically now have to take it back by force. But there will be many, many who will be 
doing that. And, and many who will realize that they're the days when they could openly be crazy because Trump facilitated it and enjoyed it, those days are coming to an end. So there's both, both for some people, the panic of realizing that they'll never see that they'll never see this the crazy land that they were hoping would happen. That that's, that the civil war that they didn't win 150, 60, 70 years ago won't be repeated, and this time will win, still not knowing what the hell the winning hand will look like. That and the days when we feel important because we're nuts, Donald's nuts, and all we have to do is act like Donald and people take us seriously. Those days are coming to a rapid end, and the Republican Party still has no idea who it is or where it is. I, I have an interesting recollection from, I guess it was from 2018. And in April of that year, uh, that was the last time that I think there was anything resembling unity shown openly by both the House and the Senate in a joint session. They were addressed, and the reason this comes to mind is because Emmanuel Macron, the president of France, is in, it was at the White House last night for a formal dinner. He's here for a state visit. And it went beautifully, and blah, 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 and everybody, blah, kumbaya, blah, 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 all the, the way these things go. There have been a lot of tensions between the French and the Americans. But they both, Macron and, 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 uh, and Biden, understand that, you know, France and America are the greatest of allies forever, except when they're not. And, and, and you're always going to default back to this allied position. This was emphasized in the most elegant of terms during a presentation he gave, it lasted maybe 15, 16 minutes of the joint session back in April of 2018. And it was the last time, I think, that in formal joint session, all members of the House and Senate stood and gave a standing ovation on multiple occasions to a presentation done by Emmanuel Macron. I have a copy of it somewhere. People should listen to this. I was talking about this on the show back then. And he talked about the true nature of democracy, the founding of the United States, the interrelationship of France and America, what it was we went. He played on every major theme and value of liberal democracy. And it hit a chord and resonated with everybody. There was no way but to be united around it. It took a French president to do that. No one had done it for a number of years prior. No one certainly has done it since. And basically to remind us who we actually are. It, it gives me hope thinking back on that now that there is somewhere within even the weak-minded most of what is in the Republican Party, or at least within the collective body of the Republican Party, a sense of, a recollection of what we really are and where we naturally default to as a country, that we still can be a United States of America. I'm pleased to see the judiciary, as horrible as the Supreme Court decision was in overturning Roe, I'm pleased to see 
that there is a rationality that is coming out that even all these republic these trump appointed justices are realizing you can't just destroy the entire system not everybody can just give back to donald that you actually have to think of the law you have to think of your reputation you have to think of the future of the court you're on you can't just be donald's boy or girl it's not going to work Frankly, it, it, it gives me hope, realizing all that. I, and, I, and I get even more of that hope, realizing that we're going to have a chance to discuss a lot more of this and plenty of other stuff when, uh, when David Bach uh, hits the microphones in, in just a moment. But of course, it's Friday. And uh, what do we do between now and then? Well, naturally, a little jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can. On a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make center-left radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident. And as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Central F Radio, Thank you. You're listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and it is that moment in time. There haven't been too many of these recently, but I'm really pleased to have one today where I get to say on a Friday morning, David, what's on your mind? Um, there's a lot, but I mean, there'll basically be two quick things that I'm going to cover. But if you want to hear more generally, the best place to find me is still on Twitter at, uh, um, uh, my hashtag is, uh, at faces ideas. Um, so there's two big things. One is one of the two biggest issues that the Biden administration could potentially deal with in 2020, uh, from 2023 onward. Yeah. And the other one is. Uh, the ongoing anti-Semitism problem in the Republican Party. Yeah. So yeah. Um, let's start with the first one. So there's two major hurdles that the Biden administration needs to get done in the, the lame duck in order to basically neutralize anything but the most dumb, uh, ridiculous partisan stuff that's going to be, at least in the foreseeable future, come out of this Congress. And that is raise the debt ceiling. Yeah. And the other one is this this railroad worker strike. Well, now, all right, raise it or get rid of it, the debt ceiling. I don't care. It okay, 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 go, go on. I'm sorry. As long go as on. it is not left in place as it currently go is. Go on, Because okay. this is objectively one of the dumbest ways to do. Yeah, uh, and we've been doing it for a long time, and there's just absolutely no reason why it has to be that way. I'm sorry, Especially you're right. Especially when, look, so very quickly, when when the Republicans play chicken with the debt ceiling and they downgrade U.S. debt and they— they cause whatever catastrophic 
economic meltdown that causes. It's going to be very clear whose fault it is. Yeah. Um, so it's it's worth pointing out that they're going to do this um, and and start messaging that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then simultaneously, because look, they've they've said it. Multiple senators have said it. Uh, the House has said it on like numerous occasions that that is their plan. Um, that's that's issue number one. Issue number two is the loss of this railroad strike. Yeah. Now, the railroad strike as it uh, as of yesterday. So basically, what's happening is the the railroad workers are striking, and they want seven days paid sick leave. The un the uh, the railroads are saying that this would cost them something like three hundred million dollars. That comes out to two point one to two point three percent of their profits. Yeah, from twenty twenty for the first nine months of twenty twenty two. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this there was there was two deals agreed to because Congress has the ability to basically force them to still do their job. Um, one of them is that they have to uh, that they have to accept this deal without the paid sick leave. The other one that well, without the house, without the level of paid sick leave, there's there's paid sick leave, but not as much I as think they want. One day, yeah. Oh, is that all there is? Really? Oh, wow. I, they were asking for seven. Yeah. They got, I think, one. Wow. Okay, I wasn't aware of that. The second one passed the house. Now remember, the Republican Party claimed. The party of the people. Do you know how many Republicans in the House voted for seven days sick leave? How many? Three. <laughs> oh man. Well, you know, if, if the Republicans look, I mean, how many how many ways you want to get stupid about this? You could say, well, we're just going to vote against it so that we have something to vote against the Republicans on uh, the Democrats on. So if the Democrats want want the, the, the keep the railroads moving, we'll be against it, or that means we'll vote. Uh, we won't let the we won't allow this uh, contract to go through. My understanding is it's about to whatever they voted on is about to be signed. Biden's about to sign it into law, and that's that's uh, going to yes. happen. But what you're but saying is it comes. So, so what would actually what he'd be signing is the package that has just the one day of sick leave of additional yes. sick leave that that, that becomes if that becomes interesting that becomes interesting and the reason for that is when that same package went to the senate yeah it didn't pass the filibuster because i think uh seven senators on the republican side and the rest of them, plus Joe Manchin, because I know there were some of them that weren't there. Yeah. Um, uh, voted against it. So, this, but they voted eighty to fifteen to do the smaller package. So, I, I to be clear about this, the people who are saying that Joe Biden is living in some type has created some uh, socialist communist utopia <laughs> in their fucking minds. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. I, I like. They're asking for sick leave, seven days. They're not asking for $100,000 raises. They're not asking for um, six months paid off. Like, and it's also, there's two things to this, very quickly. Um, if this industry is as vital to the economy as the, uh, as, as the railroads are, you give the workers whatever they want in order to keep it functioning. It just, as simple as that, if you can't do it without them, 
You give them what they want. Yeah. And the other side to this is the people who have infinite sick days on golden platter healthcare, who take like a third of the year off, decided that the regular people don't deserve seven days sick leave. There you go. That that's that's the the, the sum of it. Is there is so there a, is, is there a downside for Democrats going forward as a result of this, or is it balanced off yes. by? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks, especially because Biden is the one who wanted the shittier deal. It it is a it is the the base. You can't be the most pro union president, and then in the biggest opportunity to stand with the union, you say no. Yeah. And and, that, and that, that's but it would have been an opportunity to, to you would have to start a strike and you'd have to destroy the economy. So at that point, you have to, the argument I would use is I'm looking at the country and I and I'm pro union. But in this situation, I also have to look at the good of the country. And nope, if I, I have to balance. I don't, what, I don't, no, no, I disagree wholeheartedly. Well, I go on. Go. How, how would you how would you lay it out? Go ahead. How would I lay it out? I would say, look. Every American deserves to not have to be forced to work while they are sick. This is a vital part of our economy. The people in charge of these uh, of these uh, workers make, can't can't suffer a two percent loss in profit to give these people basic rights. This is un-American to force people to do this. I mean, actually, that's wrong. It is very American to force people to do this. It's wrong to force people to do this. The right thing to do is to make sure that your workers who made you wealthy are taken care of at the bare minimum. Okay, but they could not get that through. They could not get the— but it doesn't matter if they couldn't get it through. The fact that that would would have been his stance is enough to make the point. It doesn't sometimes posturing the correct thing and understanding that the politics of doing it are wrong or are possible are different things. He didn't posture the correct thing, even though he had no chance of passing it. because he might have maybe with the pressure that he created by actually doing this when they did this two months ago when they started this deal. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you if he came out and said this and the and they and the workers were threatening to strike the donors for these people would have would have pushed with more of the senators, and I think it would have passed. So what you're saying is that Biden never came out strongly enough, or at all, saying that there should be sufficient paid sick leave. He simply defaulted down to, look, we've got to get a contract, and if the only contract we can get is the one with the one day of sick leave, that's it. That means that now, if I'm Biden, I somehow start... I start basically campaigning uh, in favor of increased sick leave going forward, but I'm not even sure if you could do that right now and get away with it. I don't know. I'm not sure what he does. Yeah, I'm, I I think that the union said that he might be able to do this under an executive order. Yeah. Um, There's an amazing have- amount of control. The White House has a huge amount of control over the railroads. It's amazing how much uh, authority was granted to the well, to the White House and the Congress uh, during the Civil War and the period of Reconstruction, when the railroads were taking over everything, and they just carved them out and said, "Look, we can't afford to have anything happen that's going to screw things up." So Biden has a lot of control there. Yeah, Maybe he can he pull that this, off. I don't that's, know. And if he does it through a executive order, at least that then he can campaign on saying, "Look, yeah, we try yeah, to do the right yeah. thing." And it's also worth mentioning that there's another study that came out that showed that. Three million children were lifted out of poverty because of the child tax credit that every single Republican in Joe Manchin is pro-child poverty. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> uh, that might be a thing that's worth uh, mentioning again. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. But then the other point you were making about uh, anti-Semitism. Yeah, so two months ago, uh, Kanye West had an interview with Tucker Carlson. This was pre-taped, and this was ostensibly because he had a conversation. He was hanging out with Candace Owens, and they did the White Lives Matter thing. Um, during that interview, part of it was cut, and we know this because we 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 had the footage of it. And all the things that were cut were were Kanye talking positively about either being vaxxed or about having the vaccine, and the other one was about an anti-Semitic tirade that he went on. From there. Kanye West has gone on about seven different podcasts, all of which have gone explicitly more anti-Semitic. This has culminated in him declaring for 2024 with his campaign being run by Nick Fuentes and Milo Yiannopoulos. For those of you who don't know who Nick Fuentes is, he is a neo-Nazi. Yeah. He is a white supremacist yeah. Nazi, yeah. and we'll get back to him in a minute. Uh Milo Yiannopoulos was fired from Breitbart for trying to bring more Nazis into the fold. He's some ex-gay weirdo. Huh. This culminated in him having a dinner with Donald Trump, all three of those people. Now, as usual, Donald Trump didn't condemn these people. No, because of part not. of what happened was Kanye came out with a video saying Donald Trump is very impressed with Nick Fuentes, who is, again, a neo-Nazi. <laughs> the... Um, and this is, and Ben Shapiro had a quote about this, and this may be the only time I ever agree with Ben Shapiro. What he said is, in order to not have dinner with the vile anti-Semite you don't know, do not have dinner with the anti-Semite you do know, which is Kanye. <laughs> like, to be clear. Well put, well put. Yeah. Kanye is incredibly, and he might actually be like a closeted Nazi at this point. Um, and this is not hyperbolic because... I, and I'll get to that in a minute. So the thing with Trump's meeting is he put out a statement saying, I don't know who Nick Fuentes is. That's not a denial. That's not a that's not a repudiation of Nick Fuentes. And I'll remind you of one other thing. While because while they're running defense for Trump and all of this, there's a there's something to remember about Nick Fuentes. This is not the first time something like this has happened. Yeah. Two years ago, when CPAC was going on, he put on a thing called APAC, which is like his American power. Uh, conference. Mm -hmm. There was a guest at that called Paul Gosar. Who what was, was the name? Say the name again, please. Paul Gosar. Oh, oh, go oh uh, yes, 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 yes. And uh, Wendy Rogers. She's the crazy uh, Arizona lady. Yeah, uh, yeah. They spoke at that. There wasn't like a lot of condemnation because Paul Gosar is kind of weirdo. The year later, their their guest keynote speaker was Marjorie Taylor Greene. Mm-hmm. Now, Marjorie Taylor Greene said, I don't know who Nick Fuentes is. I don't, I don't, um, you know, I don't condone his views. What happened to Marjorie Taylor Greene was they told her to go to the Holocaust Museum, and she basically had to give, like, a this, the, you can find the video of this. She had to give, like, a report about why the, the, uh, the Holocaust is bad. And even in it, she's talking about, oh, it wasn't just the Jews. You know, we can't just remember that it was them because there was a lot of Christians and stuff and died, and that's what's important. Like, so this is a well-known figure at this point. This also goes to the fact that Donald Trump has no vetting at Mar-a-Lago, which really is problematic in the case where he had a ton of documents, which thankfully— Very the, good point. Very uh, good point. The 11th Circuit just overruled probably yes. the most asinine uh, ruling in the history of the country. We were talking about that in our earlier segment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. 
But there's a thing because Kanye yesterday, when it's well, I can't say mask off because he went on Alex Jones with with just a full black face mask. Like he just wore a ski mask. It was very very weird. But suffice it to say, he was on Alex Jones and Alex Jones was the moderate. This thing <laughs> happened. He uh, among the things that happened were. Apparently, he just learned who Benjamin Netanyahu was. Um, and during this interview, he took out a Yahoo, a Yuhu, and he took out a net, and he started, like, trying to do this fake Netanyahu puppet. And then these are real quotes from Kanye that are brought up, like, um, uh, uh, I don't like saying evil in the word Nazis. Um, I love Nazis. I love Jews. I love Hitler. Like, he's the, guy, just, the guy's a head case. He's got, he's got, he's got he problems. Yeah, no, but like it's there's something to be said about this because they ran cover for this for months. They run cover for it. Like, could you imagine if the the Tucker Carlson interview he had pointed that and said, "This is unacceptable." All right, this is not okay. Let me because ask, that's let not me, been the response in in the context of everything you're saying, and I agree with everything you're saying and the way you're presenting it and your point of view on it is. Kanye West and his and his ramblings, I, okay, for whatever you, whatever you call them, is he indicative of a true uh, elevated anti-Semitic feeling in this country? How elevated is it? How much does he have to do with it? Is he basically reflecting? Is he guiding it? What's what the hell is going on here? So he's to be clear. The man who went on a multi-month explicitly anti-Semitic tour was able to to have dinner and bring a more explicitly racist person with him. Yeah. With the former president of the United States, who is currently the front runner for that position, and they cannot bring themselves to denounce it. Yeah. 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 They spent months defending this. And this is not just right wingers. This is not just the Tucker Carlson's, the the Kevin McCarthy's, the Steven Crowders, the the Candace Owens. Um essentially everyone but Ben Shapiro, because Ben's actually Jewish and this is like the one weird thing he crosses the line. Although if Kanye said I love Israel and Israel has never done anything wrong, we should kill all the Palestinians, I'm sure Ben would forgive him. Yeah, um, pro- uh, probably they all spent months doing this because the thing that they the thing that they're pushing is this idea under the radar. Even Dave, look, even Dave Chappelle in his speech did it. And the NBA fucked up with Kyrie. He should, I, if I was able Kyrie would be out of the league. Um, the, they like to say these things. This is why, and you see this all the time, this is why they always talk about George Soros. Yeah. They ran a piece talking about George Soros's, um ability to like uh, finance elections like two days a- a- ago. Like, it was a Fox News headline, a Soros takeover. Tucker Carlson did an entire documentary about him being a puppeteer versus Hungary, which is an authoritarian state. Yeah. This is not – this is – the reason they're mad at Kanye is not because they disagree with the things that he's saying. They're mad at Kanye because he's saying them out loud without dog whistle. <laughs> and that's – that's look, you, you say, oh, no, they don't believe us. That's what they keep hinting at. That's why they keep talking. That's why the Tree of Life sh- shooting happened. The guy directly quoted Donald Trump saying these things. They directly quoted. There was multiple different um, uh, things about, like, when uh, Hillary was running about Soros. They always boogeyman Soros. 
they like they're talking about the FTX guy. Um, the FTX guy. This is may not be related to anti-Semitism stuff. Was has recordings saying I was the number three donor to the Republicans last year because I did it through dark money and they can't trace it. <clears throat> yeah, like it is. These they don't. They're just mad it's been covered. Like you can't. Like if you if you're sitting there going, oh, there's a bunch of Jews in Hollywood, therefore they control it all, you know, type of stuff, or they're all the bankers. You're 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 playing footsies with it because you're you're creating these moral panics designed for your most ferret followers to fill in the blanks about, and the blanks for that come to the Jewish question, and this is what they keep doing. And I want to remind you, there has been no punishment. For any of these people in Congress who have agreed to meet with Nick Fuentes or spouted or, or talked about this, Marjorie Taylor Greene is ostensibly the most powerful Republican in the country outside of Donald Trump. Hmm. Hmm. Donald Trump <laughs> has faced essentially no backlash from the polling from this. They're going to keep running interference for this because they know there is a subsection of their base that supports this. But there's also the majority of the country that spoke very clearly during the midterms. There was a large repudiation of the most extreme elements within the Republican Party. And it's not as though there's no pushback no, to on. this at all. There was a large there was a, a repudiation of the, the extreme elements at the highest levels. True, true. There oh. is more of them in there's more crazies in the Congress than there were before. The, yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah. When you, when you when you consider who ran and who won ultimately in the end. Yeah, yeah. this so is this true. Is no, not, you're right, you're the, right, you're this right. This is the highest, the, the loudest, most craziest ones lost. But if they tone, like Carrie Lake, if she toned down her crazy by like 10%, probably would have won Arizona. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, yeah. Uh, if they had run anybody other than Dr. Oz, they probably would, they, they would have been closer in Pennsylvania. But it, like, this is, this is not a repeat because the point is this is the the point that's worth mentioning is this is a party that is run explicitly on grievance politics. They do yeah. not have any policies other than retribution and grievance. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Then, yeah. And the point of this and the point to point this out is when you're dealing with a uh, with a with a party that is has these type of politics that has this type of ideology, you cannot allow them to gain a foothold against a certain population. Because one, they're always going to look for the next one, and they're already signaling it. They've already, we already know that they're going after LGBTQ people, whether it's trans or it's gay, because they lost their mind about the respect for marriage uh, law that basically just says the federal government has to um, has to recognize you're married. It doesn't say that your uh, your your uh, bigoted priest has to to marry them. It just says the government has to say that this is a, a legal marriage. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and this is not the end of marriage as we know it. This is not the end of uh, of humankind because marriage is about procreation, which is just an incredibly stupid argument. By by um, reference, David, you bring up you bring, at least in my mind, what you're bringing up is is the, the recollection of the famous thing that Eli we uh, I guess it was Ellie Weisberg said back when. Uh, the people who said, well, you know, it doesn't bother me. I don't care what the Nazis are doing. It was first they came for the trade unionists. Then they came for the homosexuals. Then they came for the Catholics. 
and then they came for me, you know, and then they came for the, well, first they came for the Jews and the, there, there's that famous sequence yeah. that they kept winds coming up them, coming. I said nothing it hits it all nothing. of us. It hits all of us ultimately. And remember, this is a very violent party at this point. Yes. We are, we are at a, a, a higher point of political violence in part because of the access to guns, because the, like if you look at crimes, like overall crimes have fell, fallen, but gun gun deaths have risen because of the the uh, the ability to get them. Like we we didn't even talk about the fact that there was like seven mass shootings last week. Well, I mean, there's a mass shooting every day, and and and, and, and we're going to save that for our next show, and, and we're definitely going to get on to that. There's 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 a ton of stuff to talk about, and especially. The way things are going to shape up and, be, and what the Republican Party might do to itself in the Congress and what this is going to have to do for gun legislation and any kind of legislation. And, and there's this whole fascinating area we're going into between now and the 2024 election and how the Republicans seem to still be on a, a suicidal bent. And I have a funny feeling that you and I are going to be doing a lot of talking about that in the uh, in the weeks ahead, and I and, and Dave, I look forward to you being. Uh, hopefully, your schedule will let you uh, cut in a little bit more. And I know you have a lot of things coming up on your plate today as well. And I appreciate you being here. Um, uh, what uh, always happens, and what will continue to happen as we digest uh, the full sum of what you've given us today, is. Uh, we, we, you kick off your slippers or, your, or, you, or you try to cut off the toes on your, on your woolly pajamas or something and uh, kick back and, and, and just take it all in because there's a lot to take in and there'll be a lot more ahead on Fridays and other days. But just do it with a little jazz.
listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. The Republicans have their work, work, huh, cut out for them. They have their problems laid out before them. The crazies are still running the place. They know they can't win with the crazies, but they can't figure out a way to basically campaign without them. Donald is losing power. They don't know what to do with the power they have. Stay tuned. Oh.